Hey everyone, Joe here from Modern Heathen Man. I'm here with Kelby today. Hello. And we're going to begin the newest episode of Modern Heathen Man. Um, today we're going to touch on a few things that are not talked about too much in the heathen world. Recently I heard a, a lot of talk about it um, on a, another person's group, and I wanted to actually touch base with it on my podcast because... I'd like to go ahead and put forth the idea of what this actually is, where we stand with it, and how we uh, can do stuff with it and move forward with it. So, with that said, we're going to be talking about secret versus sacred. And in that context, there's a lot of contention as to what is what and how this works, but hopefully we can put some light on some situations and go ahead and um, help you along with the concept that maybe why you feel excluded from something or that you didn't feel included in something else. So with that all said, go ahead and grab yourself a horn, grab yourself a cup, grab yourself some mead, grab yourself some coffee, tea, or some soda. And just sit back and enjoy the next episode of Modern Heathen Man. So let's dive right in, Kelly. You know, when I say sacred versus secret, um, besides you actually knowing what it's about, what pops into your head? Um, secret for me has more of a negative connotation to it. Um, more like it's something that should be kept hush-hush. Right. Um, sacred has more of a reverent, um, spiritual feel to it. Right. One is a lot more understanding than the other. You know, if I say to you, oh, I didn't invite you to that because it was a sacred ceremony and only certain people were allowed to come. Do you understand that? I mean, like, is it something that would go ahead and be like, oh, okay, I understand. So like. I look at it kind of like, uh, you know, christenings and baptisms. Okay. For the most part, when people have christenings and baptisms, they only invite the immediate family. You know, it's not or like a wedding. close friends. Right. It's not like a wedding where you invite all your friends, all right. your family. Right. Everybody has a good time celebrating. That's not so much a sacred event as it is a, an event. You know, when I think of secret, I think of things that are done behind closed doors with the premise of not wanting to be caught. That's why the negative connotation comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing with secret is you could keep something secret to yourself. Some practices, some right. ways of doing things, you may only... We're not going to your... talk about that yet. I, I don't okay. want to talk about that yet. I just want to talk about where where people stand on the understanding of sacred versus secret. You know, and a lot of people today, like... Um, it's not like the Christian church, you know, uh, the, the whole idea behind a kindred is that you're kin. It's a family. And when you create that family atmosphere, you have the duties, I should say, to protect those within that atmosphere as a family would. Right. You know, just like you wouldn't allow anybody into your house. It's not because of what happens in your house being secret, but because of what happens in your house is yours. Right. You know what I mean? Right. We don't just have people wandering through a house all day long that just want to come in because they want to come in. Right. That's just not thought of or kosher or even entertained in the idea of America. 
So with that said, I want to swing over to the whole heathenry aspect of it. A few uh, months ago, I posted a TikTok of a man who was giving grief to another kindred for not allowing him to come in immediately and worship with them or do whatever with them. Right. They, they were having a bloat or something. And right, he right. felt he, like he should be invited 100% right off the bat. No solely because asked. he said he was heathen. Right. Right. And that's not how most kindreds work. Right. Now, there are some open ceremonies and things like that. We do have, every once in a while, we have some bloats that we invite anybody that wants to come to. Just if you want to come, come on. We're going to have a good time. Bonfire, bloat, good time. But even with that, there's a vetting process because that is happening at the private home slash land of someone in the kindred. Right. And we have a duty as kindred members to protect their property as well. Right. So with that said, I mean, there's even a small vetting process for that. And I think a lot of times we just want to be so accepted by somebody that we demand what we demand in the sense that we don't even understand what we're demanding. Okay, so um, th there are a few ceremonies that I'll go through in a little bit that I consider to be very sacred ceremonies, very private ceremonies, you know, this, that, and everything, and we'll go in a little bit for that. But with all that said, most of our ceremonies and most of the bloats we have, especially like a sumble, you know, there's a lot of emotion in a sumble. You know, the first three rounds of the sumbles are okay. When you get to the, you know, fourth round fifth round sixth round then you're beginning to have a little more emotions and those things aren't for everybody to be part of you know you have to keep those in the sense that um what does that person that's giving those things that are so personal what do they want to get out of how they feel or how they're acting or you know especially the oaths and boasts you know if you're boasting something and that boast looks off to somebody, they may not understand why you're boasting that, you know, or if you're oathing something to someone else, it's not for everybody in the public to know of that oath, just right. your kindred, you know? So with all that said, you have to take into consideration that concept of the symbol. Sometimes we'll invite people to the bloat, but they won't be invited to the symbol because they're not part of it. And that's just the way it is. Other times we'll invite people to both and we'll keep that symbol a little more light, a little more airy in the sense that without getting too personal or um, kinnish within it, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So um, with that said, we'll talk a little bit about um, the idea of sacred ceremonies. So give me ideas of what you think are sacred ceremonies. Um, you mentioned the, uh, symbol. I think that's a really important one. It's a sacred ceremony Absolutely, because yeah. it, it's, it's everybody in your kinder, the people that are supposed to be your friends, your family, the people that you are supposed to have some sort of relationship with. Um, do we all get along all the time? No, but they should be the people that are there for you no matter what. Right. right. Whether you're having a spat, whether you're, you know, you, you just don't get along with that person for whatever reason, they should still, there should still be a give and take and a, a sense of community there. And these are the people who should, who should have your back in case something horrible would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and those little pieces of yourself that you give during a symbol, whether it's an oath, a boast, um, a, a, an, uh, veneration of an ancestor that meant a lot to you. Um, I'm famous for crying at every single one of our symbols because something personal will come up. It'll be time to honor this person or honor that person. And I get very emotional about those because usually the people I honor are people that were very close to me. Right. And there you hit the nail on the head and you said it, you said personal and that's where we have to look at it from an outsider's view and an insider's view, you know, sometimes we get very personal in some of these ceremonies. And with that personal, you only want to share that with certain people because not everything needs to be out there all the time for everyone. Um, so some of the ceremonies that I think of as the most sacred are like rites of passage. So, you know, when a young man in the kindred becomes a man, you know, that's only for the kindred. That is only for them to be part of, you know, the pushing away ceremony, the acceptance ceremony, the men of him as a warrior, that's only for them and no one else. Anybody that goes, anybody part of the, the kindred can join into that ceremony, but no outsiders. And I'm sorry I say that because it's not that something we want to keep private, but for the young man and for the young woman who's doing that, you know, uh, womanhood ceremony. That's for only the kindred. And I'm sorry to say it for like this, but it's none of your business what people say to them to make them that man or that woman that they're going to become. That's for the family. When you have a child that becomes that and you're part of the kindred, then you'll be part of that ceremony. Until then, you're not. And I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Um, other private ceremonies I think of, uh, not all kindred still do this, but some kindred still sacrifice. And if that's the case, you don't want everybody in public there while you're sacrificing, judging what's going on. You know what I mean? That is for the kindred. That is for the people within the kindred that have come to that point where they want to do that. It's entirely to them. Our kindred doesn't do that. We don't believe in actual animal sacrifice, but there are some kindreds that do. And yeah. As much as they do, we won't be part of that because that's not something that we look into. And not that we haven't been invited to those, because I've been invited to many of those. But we just choose not to be part of those. Um, because I believe those are very sacred, sacred things that are going on, not for just anybody to see. I think other things that could be put into that as far as rites of passage you may choose to have a public wedding ceremony mm -hmm. and you may choose to have a kindred hand fasting ceremony right. where it is in front of that community that you want there that mean more to you than maybe even your fan like blood family well nine times out of ten it's because all of a sudden you're inviting in a new member of the kindred because now you're getting married and now a new member of the kindred's coming in and it, it goes through the whole concept of that person has to go through all the ceremonies. The manhood ceremony would be he becomes a warrior and becomes accepted into the warriors of the kin, you know, or where he fits, period. You know what I mean? Right. He may be part of the, you know, something else. You, you know, it doesn't matter. But that, again, should be a private ceremony of a taking in a new member because not all members need to be part of that sacred ceremony. And, and um, 
another one would be what while you were talking about honor while we were talking about honoring our ancestors and honoring people mm-hmm. that came before us even a kindred celebration of somebody's life mm-hmm. that's for the kindred right right yeah not for everybody that wants to come in in public you know there's no way that a public person will understand what it's like how my life went other than my kindred people my kindred people understand my life a lot better than just somebody walking in off the street right Right. And, and it's, it's taking on that loss of that person and that kindred too, where you're grieving as a group and you're trying to move on Mm -hmm. um, and learn what the dynamic is going to be from this time forward. Right. And not only that, the celebration, right. You know, the difference in the celebration, you know, I, I've said before, and I'll say it again, while I'm feasting in the in the next world, while I'm feasting with those that have gone on before me, I want those that I left behind to be feasting and remembering all the fun times of my life. Because while I'm sitting there watching them feasting and I'm feasting here, we'll have the greatest time ever. Right. You know, that's what I want. And that's part of what my life is. So with that said, I don't want some stranger walking in that I don't know feasting there. I'm like, who is that guy? Who's who's Joe Schmo there? You know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's a very important and, you know, Joe's family subscribes to that kind of thing, too, where they have the funeral. It's very um, public. Yes. Everybody's invited. Everybody off the street, you know, whoever that person knew in life that was a friend or whatever. But then after that's over, it's a private family event. It's only family and maybe some close friends. Right. The very big celebration of that person's life that could last for days. Because we believe that those people's lives aren't just intertwined with our lives. They actually touched us. They mean something. And even though they're gone, they'll never stay gone. They're always remembered consistently throughout life. And it's where the stories of that person are shared. And maybe, you know, this cousin Joe didn't know about this person's, you know, adventure on the fishing boat with getting somebody's lips stuck in a, in a hook. Right. That's just an example from your family, but this is like, this is like their time to reminisce, to move on, to grieve, to, and and there's no judgment. That's the other thing. There's no no judgment at these things. And there shouldn't be any judgment like that in a kindred celebration of life either. Right. And that's, that's the part that mostly brings about the problem is, we look at the world who's already judging everyone to begin with, and we don't want that judgment within our sacred ceremonies. Those ceremonies, unlike any other religion, I should say, in America, are made to build each other up, not tear each other down. We don't want to destroy someone's idea of themselves in order to make them better through our gods. That's not what we do. We instead build that person up within themselves. We oath, we boast, we have a great time. We hail them for doing the things that they do in life. And remember all the things that they did in life through honoring them with hails and drink and oaths and toasts and everything else that goes along to build each other up, not tear each other down. And I think one of the things that that ensembles and all of these rites and rituals and passages and things like that, one of the other things about having a kindred um, and keeping things sacred are things that you know about each other that the general world doesn't need to know. Right. Um, 
things like we help each other through addictions. We help right. each other through suicide. the hard times, the suicide attempts. Um, even if it, if they, you know, they finally just say, "I've had it. It's enough." Right. We we are there for them. I'm sorry. Um, we are there for them for that transition as well. We don't judge them for what they can't handle in life right. anymore. Right. We hail them for the battle that they fought. We hail them for the overcoming of the things that they could. And in the end, whatever happens, happens. Um, recently, I had a friend who, very big in the heathen world, died of cancer. And his battle was his battle. And, you know, his whole life he gave me, well, not his whole life. I didn't know him his whole life. But I knew him toward the end. Um, the last, what, seven, eight years. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, Jonathan was always there for, with an ear, always there with some advice. And I loved it because it was an older person that would give me that advice and heathenry that I needed. And it wasn't always the advice that I thought I should get. You know, like something's going on, like, oh, I want to hear, you know, niceties. And he's like, no, no, this is the way it is. Yeah, you right. got to deal with it. <laughs> That's all there is to it. We all got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. That's the end of it. <laughs> Those you know? growing pains yeah. of becoming a heathen. Those growing yeah. pains of, of life in general. And yeah. it's something that, you know, he kind of inspired Joe to do this, to do right. this podcast. So we want to pass on his legacy, legacy yeah. to newer heathens and yep. you know now joe can be that old man sage that yeah. that jonathan was to him yep and with that said you know he he battled as hard as he could he fought as long as he could and you know he knew it was getting there because he even posted he had a friend that posted um you know his last words and even in those he was that old sage yeah yeah giving the advice you know you don't like it but too bad here it is so, with all that said, I, I mean, we have to, as leaders within the kindred, what the average person has to understand is we have an obligation to protect those that we, I don't want to say serve, because that's not the true word for it. Those people that are within our, so within our Uden garden, we have the ability to protect them from certain things. And in protecting them from those certain things, one of those pieces is is that the gods, the ancestors, the Einherjar, and ourselves continue to have sacred ceremonies. Not secret, because if you want to know what goes in the ceremony, I can print it out for you. I can print it out and tell you exactly what we said. But you're not there to hear the inflections. You're not there to get the actual tone of the ceremony, because... That's just not the way it goes. And each ceremony in and of itself is different from one another in the sense that what goes on in there, people talk from the heart, not from the mind. It's not something I can put on a piece of paper and do. Right. It doesn't work that way. So, I mean, we could do outlines and tell you how ceremonies are supposed to work, but in the end, it's up to you to do that ceremony by yourself and the other thing is a lot of what's said in in a symbol what's said in a ritual what's said in um within the kindred should be confidential yes yes you know that that's one big thing things mm -hmm. that are said within that circle should stay within that circle right um we're getting ready for a holiday which is beltane beltane Walper, Walpurgis, Walpurgis Nacht. Nacht. 
Um, I think you just like saying that. Yeah, I do. With all that said, um, this is a ceremony that we would invite the public to. This is a ceremony of fire. It's halfway between the um, spring equinox and the summer solstice. We're halfway through the time that we should have been planting already, getting ready for the harvest, all that other stuff going on. It's a fertility festival. Yeah, well, the fertility it's, festival. It's, a, it's, a ro- it's supposed to be a party, a raucous, irreverent, right. drinking, games, um, right. fun stuff. Right. You know, like, a carnival. Yeah, a carnival. So these are the ones that you invite the public to. Now, my son just turned 13. Yesterday, we were talking a little bit. I was talking with our, um, oh, what's his name? Give me a second. Drayton. Drayton. Goodness, my, my mind's somewhere else. Talking with our Drayton, and we're getting ready to do a manhood ceremony for two of the boys from the Kindred. So with that said, we were planning on those things, so getting those together and ready. But those are sacred ceremonies that don't involve everyone right and even if we if we do do a beltane or a walpurgis knock ritual we'd have a bloat with with the whole with everybody there uh-huh. then as everybody else left whoever was the core kindred members right we have our say, we would have a stumble just for yes. us yes and we've done it where we've invited the public to some bolts and stuff. Right. But like you said, we've kept it airy. But right. some of them need to be more serious. Right. Now, occasionally, if we're if we're vetting someone and they've been to a couple of the public bloats, we may invite them to a private sumbolt afterward. That's when you know that you're starting to become part of the kin and the kindred. Because that's when you know that you're starting to be welcomed in. Now, I would tell you this. Take it with a grain of salt when I say this. But that ceremony is not to leave those grounds. So, you know, you don't run away from there and go tell somebody, oh, did you know, did you know that John, he's suffering with alcoholism and he still took the mead? Did you know that that happened? I can't believe he did that. I thought he was a recovering alcoholic. I'm going to go to his AA and tell them because they think they need to know. Those things don't happen. In and of that ceremony, that is for, per se, John decide on his own whether he's going to take of the mead as his kindred i may pull him aside later and say hey john man i know you're you're doing the aa thing i can make you separate mead and you don't have to drink from the horn if it's not something you want to do you know we could help him as his kindred and we can help him along in doing what he needs to do to do that but that's not for the general public to know right so again keeping it sacred as opposed to secret. There are no secrets really in heathenry. I mean, that's just the way it is. And there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be any secrets in heathenry. I mean, if you want to know how to do a sumble, ask me, and I'll write it down for you. But for the most part, they are sacred. And they are... In keeping them sacred, you make them mean something to you, mean something to your ancestors, and venerate the gods in doing so because it's not a circus and i'm just going to say it that way and i think that's all that needs to honestly be said about it. i mean do you have anything to add well i was going to go with with you were talking about you said where you'd come back to it later is the secrecy of a private ritual right you have your own way of doing certain things that when you're not with the kindred, mm-hmm. when you're not with your family, if right. you want to practice on your own and keep that secret. Right. 
from other people, from what, you know, like, you want to keep your altar secret because your family doesn't approve of heathenry. Or yeah, you that's want all, to, yeah, that's different, I, though. But yeah, I was going to say, yeah. or you want to keep your practice to yourself because you don't know how the outside world is going to judge you. You're not out of that broom closet yet. Right. There are ways to do that. And that's mm. your own personal thing. If you're with a kindred, you want to share some of that, but keep some of it to yourself. Right. You can always keep some of what you want to to do with yourself. Right. Your, your personal way of doing things is your personal way of doing things. No one should require you to share those. You know, that that's the bottom line. Um, but it's a totally different thing. I'm, I'm talking specifically, right. right, about people that are coming from the outside world, wanting to join us and do the things with us. And if we tell them no, they have almost like a, I don't want to say a baby fit, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Tirade. They go off on a tirade <laughs> because they think we're excluding them from something that they feel that they deserve to be part of. Right. Well, I mean, in any church setting, in any Christian church setting, there are things that are supposed to be sacred and things that are supposed right. to be kept behind, not closed doors, but semi-closed doors. Right. Let's say it that way that, you know, these these people are welcome to do this. And right. Well, I'll give a case in point. You know, like Ethel Lechleitner, you know, she, she's going to the hospital, um, old lady Ethel, because she's getting something done. And she asked the pastor to come in and give her an anointing for healing. You don't invite the whole church to that. Right. Right. You know what I you mean? Might invite a few of the closest family closest members, family, and maybe right. some of the people that have some sort of eldership or right. deaconship right. in the church that would be able to give her a blessing or right. do what they need. You know, give her an anointing, give right. her whatever would make you know. But then when they her. come, right? When they come back from that thing, you know, on that Sunday, they'll say, "Hey, so and so is sick." We need to pray for them, and they all join in. You know that's different. Right, you know that's that different. that's a, that's not a sacred ceremony. That is a prayer. It's a regular everyday right, ceremony. Right, but the anointing, the blessing, the, the thing that goes right. on in that hospital room or in that home that's is a, is a sacred thing, exactly. and it shouldn't be brought out to the general public. Right, right, because then it loses its worth. Right. You know, and I get that, and that's where I'm at with this. Is that. We have to understand that if we invite every Tom, Dick, and Harry to everything we do, that it begins to lose its worth, and then honestly, it's just worthless. It's not even worth the time or the effort right. anymore, because it becomes so commonplace that everybody, you know, right. it's a dime a dozen. So, um, you know, one, one of the things that was talked about in the whole thing was, with you know, with the influx of Vikings, the influx of... Um, Last Kingdom and the influx of all this Viking stuff on TV. Everybody and their uncle wants to put on the costume of a Viking and come play. You know, where for us, this is reality. This is our life. These are our gods. These are the things that we venerate each and every day. And this is what we learn. And they take it and they think that it's cool to do this. The other thing, and, and what I find is those people fall by the wayside really quickly mm -hmm. because they find out that it's real. It's not just a game. We're not just putting on um, fancy outfits and sword fighting when we get together. It's a true, I don't want to say. It's it. a family. It's a family. It's a real religion per se. It's a path that you take that you have to be part of each and every day. And when they start to find out that there's pieces that like, 
you mean I got to read a long book that's called the Poetic Edda? We don't have to read it. You know, you might want to read it. Why? Well, because it tells you, you know, everything in there um, about this, about that, about the other thing, you know, the have them alls in there. You know, you want to read the prose edda because that tells you about the actual path that you're on. Oh, I'm not going to read all these books because that's a lot of work. You know, so then they're gone. But, you know, with the influx of those things, I see a bunch of people running to this path that shouldn't be running this path. You know, and then on the same token, you have um, what he likes to call, my, my one friend from um, Northwood's Kindred calls it the uh, ghosting gothy, where somebody will come out of the woodwork out of nowhere want to become the gothy or leader of this group, realize that it's a bunch of work, and then run away and ghost everyone. So now those people are left without any, I don't want to say guidance, but any anything to go forward. Any direction. Any direction to go further. Right. I wouldn't so, even call it guidance. I'd say direction. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. With that said, you know, we, we have to watch those as well. And it's just so hard today in the modern heathen world to pick apart the things you need to pick apart, find a place, and actually become part of that place. Um, I have a good friend who's right now in Utah who's been looking for a kindred there and just can't find any. And I remember, what, not even 10 years ago, there was probably 15, 20 kindreds in Utah. And, you know, none of them really lasted. Yeah, they all you know? didn't pan out because it became real. And it became something that they had to follow and something that they viewed as a real path. So with that said, this is what happened. Um, one of the things is, as a kindred that's been going on, what, six, seven, eight years now for mm -hmm. us, different states, different people, different mm -hmm. things, we don't encourage the cosplay kind of no. part of it. We don't encourage the, you know, dressing <coughs> up as a Viking or dressing only up. Only on Halloween. Only, I was going to say only on Halloween, but yeah. like for other rituals and stuff, dress for the weather. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, if you want to have ceremonial clothing, that's great. That, that's wonderful. But don't use it as an excuse to just come dressed up like you're going to a costume party. Right. And there's nothing wrong with those kindreds that do do that. Don't get me wrong. Right. No, no, no. You we're know. not saying. Yeah. But we don't need to see your faith out on your sleeve. Like, like right, you, you right. don't need to put your faith on your sleeve as well. You know, you don't need to play to play the part for us. Right. Dress comfortably, dress for the weather. Right. Um, if it's going to be 120 degrees outside, you don't want to wear a fur vest and no. leather um, leggings and gauntlets and boots. And you want to wear shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. Right. That's fine, you know. Or if you're prone to bug bites, well, then you might want to wear jeans or something. But we don't encourage you to dress the part. Right. The closest I get to dressing the part is my hammer. Right. You know, right. that's but my that's hammer's a part on public. Of every day right. thing. I mean, yep. for for me, for my son, for Joe, yep. we and, and for my other son in the military, wearing our hammer is like a normal everyday uh, curse. Yeah, it's yeah. A normal mine doesn't ever come off. Yeah. comes off to go in the shower. EJ I don't think ever takes his no, off. His dog type, yeah. Yeah. Um and then Joe never he has one that he's had on for 
13 years now that yeah. hasn't come off. It's going to fall off. It's so. going to fall off, but it hasn't <laughs> come off. Um, and then he has other hammers that he wears. Yeah. But this one never comes off. Like yeah. It's been a symbol on there for 13 years. It's not going anywhere until yeah. it falls apart. It's worn down and it's falling apart. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it, yeah. There's not even a design on it anymore. There's no right. carvings on it anymore. It's been that worn. But, you know, it's been on there for 13 years. It's my hammer, you know. With, with that all said, though, again, just... Please understand that if you're not invited to something, it's not because of you. It's not because of anything you've done. A lot of times it's a sacred thing. And give it some time. You know, take some time. Show them that you're progressing. You know, show them that you're becoming whatever as a heathen. And, you know, hail to you for doing so. But give them the time to invite you to those private things that are sacred and that are not public all the time. So once you do that, I guarantee you'll be much happier, a much happier heathen, a much happier person, because you'll realize where you fit in this kindred, you'll realize where you fit with your kin, and it'll make you a much happier person. Forcing the issue of, I, I demand to be a part of this, all that does is push people like me away from you, push other people away from you, because all we're looking at is the not understanding how it even works. Right. Um, and if you are curious about how a bloat works or how a ritual works or even how a sunbolt works in some instances, YouTube. Yeah, or get on Facebook and ask yeah. me. I'll, I'll send you the outline. Well, no, I was going to say there are kindreds, there are groups out there that put their rituals and put their mm -hmm. their their bloats and things on YouTube. Um, wasn't it the the church in Iceland the other day just did Cinder yeah. Bloat yeah. and, and yeah. live streamed it and everything so that people could join in for something like that. Yep. If you feel the need to be a part of a kindred but can't be a part of a kindred because A, there's none around you, B, you're, you're being... You're traveling You're or traveling or you're... Yep. You know, investigating, a I would say investigating a kindred or, or mm -hmm. trying to become a part of a kindred and want to learn more. These are, this is a good resource. YouTube is a great resource for something yep. like that. Yep. Um, Joe's a good resource. Uh, there's other podcasters. There's other people who do videos and things like that that are good resources to give you an idea of what a ritual, what a blow, mm -hmm. what a symbol actually entails and gives you some ideas for etiquette for those places too. Yep. So with all that said, I want to hail you for becoming a better heathen. I want to hail you for taking the time to listen. I want to thank you all for the wonderful um, audience you've been. I'm actually going on my fourth year here in June. Mm -hmm. So that'll be exciting four years of Modern Heathen Man. So with that all said, I want to hail you. Hope that you have a wonderful, well, Pergus knocked. I know, you just love saying I that. I know. And um, have a great time, guys. Do some celebrations, have a bonfire. Think of me, and I'll be hailing you while you're hailing me. Um, <clears throat> and I appreciate it. So from me, Joe, thank you, and hail to you, and have a great day. And from Kelly. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.